This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 76 is brought to us by Bybit. Now, I'm going to be adding a couple things to the blog posts that I've done on Bybit. And one of those things is going to be pertaining to safety. Now, if you're currently trading with Bybit right now, you've probably already gotten the email that I'm talking about. Uh, but they do have a commitment to safety. They do have a commitment to solvency. You know, And will these things ever hold up? Who knows in the crypto world. But I do think this information is important. And it will be going up on the blog along with information on which parts of Bybit are decentralized and which parts are centralized. I said it in the initial video, I feel like Bybit really is the best of both worlds. You can do things like buy XRP without anybody bothering you, and you can trade on a platform that is capitalized enough to cover their own losses. All of this information, as always, is down below in the show notes. This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and uh, like you see often in bear markets, everybody wants to make a prediction on where the bottom is going to be. Um, you almost never see anybody make a prediction on where the top is going to be because that's bad for their own business. That's bad for their personal brand. But as we've talked about before, making predictions, period, is going to be bad for your personal brand because unless you're Richard Hart, you are going to get pretty much every single prediction wrong. And Richard Hart even said, he goes, I'm not doing anything fancy here. I'm just going 80% up, 80% down. Uh, but simply by doing that, you're going to do a lot better than a lot of the talking heads on social media. Let's take Bitcoin, for example. Uh, there are predictions everywhere. A lot of them have already failed. You have Mark Yusko and Raul Paul, who had the same prediction, that the previous low of 1750 was going to be the absolute bottom. Uh, now, I like Mark Yusko and Raul Paul both, but dude, anytime you hear Raul Paul make a prediction, I think you kind of know what to do at this point, don't you? You know, he is slowly becoming the Jim Cramer of our industry. Uh, but now that the 1750 level has been blown out, uh, we are now in new territory where Bitcoin sits at right about 16.6. And then BitBoy, who I have referenced uh, a few times on this show, uh, who has actually done pretty well with predictions, believe it or not. Um, next to Richard Hart, I would say, as far as public figures go, he's probably number two or three. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody. And yes, he was part of that Bitcoin to 100K prediction that I called out. But uh, apart from that, uh, most people are horrible. He's actually been okay. Uh, but he takes a smarter approach. He actually does it um, in terms of time. Now, I don't think any of these approaches are smart, but I would much rather pick a time range than an actual price level. And he has been predicting for a while that Bitcoin is going to hit its low sometime in November or December of this year, which is exactly where we are. Um, I think you guys know my stance by now. I think no matter what's going on in the crypto world, we still have this gigantic bearish macro overhang. You know, I still think we have a possible depression coming up this decade, and it could come sooner than later. And when people can't eat or pay their bills, things got to go. And this includes all investments. Uh, but let's hope this never happens, or if it does happen, it happens deep into the future. Uh, but in case we are seeing any type of a midterm bottoming, I want to talk about the future of certain cryptos, and I want to mainly focus on Bitcoin today. Now, you guys know I actually wanted to do this last week, but things kind of happened last week. So we'll talk about it now. And it really is important what Bitcoin does, because Bitcoin is the cryptocurrency that everybody knows. You have to remember, we are still in a huge bubble. 
when it comes to the crypto world. You know, we know a lot, but most people don't. You know, if they know anything, they know Bitcoin. And then maybe, honestly, at second place wouldn't even be Ethereum. It would probably be something like Dogecoin. I mean, that's where most people are. You know, and optics really matter in this market. So what Bitcoin does, does mean a lot. Now, unfortunately, I think a lot of people turn to hardcore Bitcoiners in this case, like even Bitcoin maxis. And I don't want to say too many disparaging things about Bitcoin maxis because there's really two kinds, in my opinion. Uh, the first ones are kind of the OG Bitcoiners. You know, they're older, their emotions are more in check, they've been through a lot, they've seen a lot, and they're still very, very hell-bent on believing in this wonderful technology that will hopefully save the world one day. And we need people like that. Whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. These are our fighters. They're older and they're more well-spoken, which means people are going to listen to them more than they would somebody like Jack Maulers, who is really intelligent and very well-spoken, but he's still a kid who wears a hoodie. Like, you know, like I said, optics matter here. And we're talking about number going up or number going down. And if the masses aren't taking you seriously, the number's not going to go up a whole lot. Uh, but again, those are the maxis we need. They are the first ones in, in the United States, at least, when it comes to fighting for crypto regulation. Whenever there's some jacked up bill that comes across the Senate floor, you know, they're the ones who not only catch it, but bring a lot of awareness to it so we can actually do our part to fight back. And this is really important. Because other countries don't fight back when it comes to stuff like this. You know, the whole crypto world is looking at the United States right now to see who is going to win this fight. Who is going to set the precedent for other countries going forward, provided that it's not too late and their own legislation has already screwed them over. You know, the OG Bitcoin and crypto maxis, mainly the American ones, are the ones leading the charge here. And we are grateful for them. Uh, but then you have the other type of maxis, the, the cyber hornets, like the really toxic ones that just wanted to belong to a group and they found something and they just ended up butt chugging the Kool-Aid to the point where it's Bitcoin or it's nothing. Bitcoin is the only true crypto out there and literally everything else will hopefully go away. Now, I don't think I need to explain to anybody just how ridiculous this is to completely ignore the technology that is going to change the entire world. You know, I hate to break it to you guys, but crypto's not going anywhere. Web3 certainly is not going anywhere. All of the talent coming out of universities right now is going into Web3. They are not going into Web2. You know, and even the elites have pretty much admitted this to where they're not even really trying to stop it anymore. They're just trying to get their piece and control it. And this is going to be the battle we probably see for the next 10, 20 years. Uh, but the one issue I do take with pretty much all of the maxis is they, I think most of them really feel like mass adoption is not that far away. I mean... I would love to see something like that, but I think it, this might not even happen in my lifetime. You know, they always say, oh, Bitcoin fixes this, or it is uh, this one end-all, be-all technology that can unite the world and be completely transparent and make everything fair for once. And, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that's all well and good. But those last two parts in particular, the transparency, the fairness, is exactly why this mass adoption isn't going to happen. It is so pie-in-the-sky, utopian nonsense to honestly think that the elites and the governments 
who have made scores and scores of money by taking advantage of a completely non-transparent system are going to willfully give this up. You know, I think I referenced this before. Uh, Mark Moss, who's a Bitcoin max, he's somebody who I've actually met, drank with. I mean, he is exactly the way you see him on YouTube. Really solid guy. Um, but he hosted uh, an interview with Peter Zion, who I've also mentioned on this podcast a number of times. So, you know, I was watching. And then something happened towards the end of that interview. I, I have this up on a blog somewhere. You know, to where they were talking about these atrocities that governments were creating when it comes to finance and stuff like that. And then Mark says, well, you know, would it be great if we had this completely decentralized ledger that they could use instead? And, then, and Peter jumps right in. And what he did angered so many Bitcoin maxis that they're still not over to this day. But he immediately jumped in and he said, nobody wants it. And then Mark was stunned. He didn't even know what to say. Mark's usually got an answer for everything. But Peter shut the door right there. He said, nobody wants it. And you know what? He's right. He's dead on fucking right. <laughs> Sorry, Maxis. You know, there has to be a certain degree of want to out there. Like my coach always said, you got to have that want to. And nobody in government, you know, governments that control everything, wants a decentralized open ledger to where people can go in and see everything they do. They will happily continue to use dying fiat currencies or gold or whatever just to avoid using something like this. I mean, the two-column accounting system dates all the way back to the 1400s. I think they said Bitcoin is more of like a three-column accounting system because there is that transparency uh, layer to it. Uh, but can anybody name a technology that has not changed in 700 years? To where, like, we still use it? <laughs> you know, we still use two-column accounting that is 700 years old. And why do you think we do that? Because they don't want you to see where the money goes. You know, the same goes for most banks. The same goes for most large companies. They have more power than we do. They always will. And if they don't want it, it's not happening. And there's no reason why they would ever want it. Guys, be realistic here. I mean, could you imagine... It's like, hey, Vladimir, uh, yes, Chairman Xi, dude, you won't believe it. You know how we've been using fiat currency and these hidden payment rails to make ourselves like super rich and powerful at the expense of all the citizens that can't see what the hell we're doing? Uh, yeah, go on. So there's this technology out there now that gets rid of all of those things. Now the whole world can see where our money goes. Um, okay, two things. One, I'm going to kill you. Two, I would literally rather use the United States dollar for the next 200 years. You know, contrarians, it's such a ridiculous argument, but it's an argument that a lot of maxis do make. You know, that all of this government waste and all of this terrorist funding and all this can be solved by this open, decentralized ledger. And they may not be wrong, but <laughs> you have to want to. And nobody wants to. And then the counter-argument to that might be, okay, well, what if the, the people... You know, band together, and they start using it. Well, for one, a lot of that's already happening in certain countries where uh, their fiat currency has completely fallen apart. Uh, places like Nigeria, Argentina, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. You know, they're using it to pretty much stay alive and put food on the table, and that's great. If this didn't, if this technology didn't exist, I'm not sure what they would do. 
But this is not a real case for mass adoption. This is a drop in the bucket. They've been doing this ever since Bitcoin was at 69,000 and has dropped all the way down to 16.6. You know, Maxis like to point to El Salvador. They're like, hey, look, isn't this great? A country that really needed it finally adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. Well, yeah, I suppose it is great, but blog readers know I have been to El Salvador, and let me tell you something. Nobody's using it. This thing that was supposed to be the savior of their country barely ever gets used. Now, if you didn't know, El Salvador does use the United States dollar, so that could be a reason why there's not a whole lot of urgency to use this right now. And having the first country actually adopt Bitcoin in legal, as legal tender is a big deal. Yeah, of course. It's a big historic occurrence. Uh, but this does not mean we are anywhere near mass adoption. And also, who's to say if we finally do adopt some type of blockchain technology as our currency that it's even going to be Bitcoin at this point? You know, they're already rolling out CBDCs. And that's a huge hurdle in our way. You know, those things would have to totally fail first. You know, we just have such a long way to go. And when we finally get there, there's no guarantee that once we reach that endpoint, that Bitcoin's going to be the, the chosen one that we use. You know, when it comes to these maxis, at least the good ones, you know, I love their vision. I love their positivity. And I love how they're willing to fight for it. Yeah, but I just don't agree with them one bit when it comes to where they think this puck is going. Or how soon it's going to get there. Now, let me tell you what I think would have to happen. And the same really goes for crypto in general, because it all comes down to one word, and that one word is trust. Now, the crypto market will always be some type of casino, and that's fine, and you will see liquidity come in and out, but that's not what we need. We need long-lasting money in that market for this thing to really have a sustainable move up and to never look back. Now, at least in the West, pretty much all of us grew up being able to depend on one thing and one thing only, and that is that your money was safe in a bank. Now, there are people all over the world in different countries who don't feel this way, but as far as most Western countries go, you know, this has always been the case. You know, do banks do a lot of goofy shit? Yeah. Do they pay us a whole lot of interest on our money? No, but at least they don't lose it. And that is really important because your average person is not like us. Your average person is extremely risk averse. And the only other alternative these people see is a crypto market that has done nothing but ruin everybody's trust over and over again. You know, when the market goes up four or five times during these bull runs, that actually is enough to flip some of these really risk-averse people into playing the market, but those people usually get in at the top because they wait too long, and then, as is always the case, they lose all of that money in a market they actually trusted, and you never see those people again. And as we've been saying for a long time, you know, for the last 30, 40 years, things were really good in the West to where you actually had you know, low interest rates so you could borrow as much money as you wanted and, and really just prosperous times so you always had discretionary income that you could gamble with. And I think those times are slowly going away. So there's also that. You know, long term, it's not looking really good. I, mean, I think the, the one bright spots are primarily, you know, Web3 gaming. You know, if you're being a realist, there's not a whole lot to get excited about because you have all these bearish overhangs. We need to win the trust of your average person. We need to win the trust of these gigantic pension funds 
that are normally super conservative. Now, how do you do that? Well, there's only one way, and it may be happening. And that is for the thing you trust, and for most people it's the banking system, to destroy that trust and to completely fall apart. And this can happen with your native currency, or this can happen with the bank itself. That's how you get all these people over to crypto. Once crypto finally becomes the more safe option, which again, that's going to take a lot for this to be true. But to me, this is how you get there. I think any other route people want to take is overly optimistic and just not real. Now, as Rick Rule says, the cure for low prices is low prices. Prices might get so low to the point where we do see a move back up. But most of us here on the podcast are investing for the next three to five years, minimum. So we would like to see a lot more. And this is how I think you get there. And make no mistake, we could get there. You know, you thought FTX was run poorly. Banks are run about as poorly, if not worse, than FTX was. But it all goes back to that non-transparency. You know, these crypto platforms and these crypto companies can fall apart because you can actually see what they're doing. That's why it's so easy to take them down. It's a lot harder to see what Deutsche Bank is doing. But the people in the know know that these institutions are rotten at the core. And it's only a matter of time. But this is why I still say to keep most of your money in cash right now, because bad things have to happen in order for these other markets, these more contrarian markets, to start going up. Now, we'll talk about some of those other markets next week. Um, but as far as crypto goes, on a, a very large, I want to say kind of macro scale, you know, this is what I think has to happen, especially for something like Bitcoin. But there are a few other bull cases here. You know, this almost seems like ancient history, but the Lightning Network was a big deal. You know, Bitcoin used to be able to handle five transactions per second. Now it can handle over a million. You know, for what it was designed to do, that's a big deal. You know, a lot of these older cryptos are very old in, in crypto years, like Bitcoin and Ethereum, to where you have to keep adding side chains and layers on top of them, but that's fine. You know, and Lightning Network was a big step forward there. Plus, you know, this is something I don't think has been happening um, really ever since its inception, but Bitcoin is a blockchain, you know, and you can build stuff on it. And even though it's an open ledger for the individual person, it is built with privacy in mind. So you have a lot of freedom-loving, privacy-loving people building things on it right now. Uh, one of the things I've been keeping track of is something called the Zion Network, which is working on things called DIDs, Digital Identities. Uh, if, you're, if you haven't already heard of these, you're going to hear about them a lot in the future, I think, because while they're not great for ultimate privacy, because you are putting yourself out there as yourself, you know, I think they're super necessary. You know, especially once Web3 gaming starts coming around, people have to actually be who they say they are. You know, and this will go a long way into not completely eliminating, but severely lessening the amount of scammers and bots and things like that, uh, which can take down some of these games. You know, so I actually, you know, as much as I do like privacy, I don't mind seeing something like this. You know, think of it this way. If it's coming anyway, right, if these digital IDs are going to be a thing. Do you want people on the Bitcoin blockchain to be in charge of making them? Or would you rather Mark Zuckerberg do it? Or would you rather have Janet Yellen be in charge of this? And, you know, digital IDs are not just being done on the Bitcoin blockchain. I've seen them done on Cardano. I think there's some being done on Polygon. 
Um, but I really do like what I'm seeing from the Zion network, and I do love the fact that people are finally building on this blockchain. On top of that, um, one of the big Bitcoiners out there, Dan Held, is also building something. He's, he's being a bit cagey about it, but if you want kind of a side way to play this, uh, do you remember Stacks? You know, it's, a, it's a token. It's still around. And it's very much connected to the overall Bitcoin blockchain, and that's what he is using to build whatever the heck he's building. So even though we don't have a ton of information of what's going on in that chain right now, at least we're finally seeing some progress. Yeah, and we could see some really great things come out of it. So it doesn't seem like, you know, those are huge bull cases, but I think they're pretty solid. You know, I still really like Bitcoin. I want it to do really well. I have some. I wouldn't mind having more. There are just other tokens that I would rather put my money down on before that. Um, some tokens that I don't own yet, some tokens that I do own that I just simply want more of. Um, but we should all be rooting for Bitcoin because one, it is great technology, and two, the alternative completely sucks. And if we didn't have this technology, I'm not sure we'd have any other recourse against the, the very people who are trying to control every single one of us. So please be a Bitcoin fan. We need it. But please be realistic about the overall future of it. It's the same argument I had with Ethereum Maxis too. You know, they keep saying what a great technology this is. And everybody is going to want to use it because it is such a great technology. And unfortunately, that's not how it works. It's normally devs who say this. Developers. And there's a reason why companies hire a dev department and a marketing department. Because the devs understand the technology, but the marketers actually know what the people are going to want. The difference is, the marketers know they can't code, if you get what I'm saying. You know, in the crypto world, the best technology doesn't always win. Look at Solana. You know, pl plenty of layer ones better than that, but that's just not how it works here. And we're investors. We want to put our money down in the thing people are going to want most. So just remember that when you hear a lot of these devs talk. Uh, they're super smart, they mean well, uh, but marketing is not their forte. Uh, so look, contrarians, I don't want to paint a grim picture for you in terms of the future, yeah, but there's just a lot of things out there we can't ignore. And the best thing we can do as investors is place our chips down on things that will probably still do well during what could be a very long period of shit. Because most people aren't going to do that. They're going to squirrel their cash away. And one day that cash is going to be worth a lot less. And they're still going to think that we were crazy for investing our money when we did. But we will remind them that we were not crazy. We were just early.